Hey everyone, this is Mark Ruffalo, and you're listening to News Coup with Public Herald. One does not necessarily allow the state to define what is legal. Now, the state has the power to enforce a certain concept of what is legal, but power doesn't imply justice or correctness even. Throughout American history, the political leaders have always exhorted the American people to be nice and quiet and leave things to them. But when very serious evils confronted the American people, they had to go beyond the congressmen and the senators, and they had to commit civil disobedience, and they had even to break the law. You're listening to News Coup, a Public Herald production where we overthrow the status quo. I'm your host, Joshua Probanek, and today we're going to dive into an exclusive story where a township is preparing to fight the EPA and the DEP and ban an oil and gas injection well. Now this story hits on a controversial subject within the environmental community and while we don't talk about that in detail in the story, I'll bring it up here just to highlight part of that argument. In some of our reporting, we've come across places that have wanted to use zoning and ordinance laws in Pennsylvania in order to mitigate the impacts from the oil and gas industry. And what we've seen with that are really expensive legal battles uh, for communities and situations where exclusionary zoning ends up winning the argument at the end of the day. And that basically means that you know, with zoning and ordinance laws under comprehensive plans, uh, you don't get to have this sort of right of banning an industry or excluding an industry. Uh, the idea is to create zones for them no matter what within that comprehensive plan that you design for your community. Now, it's different when you take the approach that the community in this story wants to take, which is to go for home rule and switch your government from a local government that's dependent on the state to a local government that makes its own decisions independent of the state. The traditional environmental organizations that are operating in the state have no plan, have no guidance to really put on the table for a community like this to say, okay, how do they stop radioactive water from being injected underneath their town in perpetuity where they can never get to it and clean it out and where it will always pose a threat and a risk uh, to the drinking water that they need from their aquifer. And again, that may seem confusing because fracking has been going on for 10 years and why hasn't more communities banned this radioactive waste from being trafficked through their community or stored there via um, tank farms, they call them, or being carried out of landfills and taken to sewage plants and discharged into the streams in Pennsylvania, as we've reported. And again, that comes down to what we've seen, which is that the environmental community doesn't communicate this idea of banning radioactive waste or banning T-norm uh, within communities. And, and any time that it gets brought up in even the press, um, the majority of the press seems to seems to find some sort of industry quote-unquote expert uh, and have them come in and try and negate the legitimacy of these bans within the state of Pennsylvania. So this story is just kicking off, and we'll see where it goes, and we'll be there to follow it. And with that, I have the pleasure of introducing one of the new reporters at Public Herald, Sam Sanson. She's the one who's taken on this story and is here to share it with you. If you're a frequent reader of Public Herald and listener to this podcast, 
We invite you to join our Patreon at patreon.com slash publicherald and become a patron to support our work. If you already are a patron, we thank you because your commitment to Public Herald has helped make this story possible. With that, let's dive into the show. Rolling green hills, pristine waters, vast untouched space emanating peace and beauty. A long list of animals, grouse, deer, squirrels, chipmunks, foxes, beavers, and bears, roaming. This is what you'll find in Clara Township, three and a half hours northeast of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Here, satellite imagery appears to show little but wild space. When you zoom into Clara though, dirt roads appear and between wide, tree-covered hills, houses pop up, where 181 people live in Potter County, 30 minutes from the New York state border. Clara boasts untarnished waterways that provide far more than a sense of pride. Clean water in Clara is essential to local cattle, horses, wildlife, world-class fisheries, and residents who, without access to a public water system, all rely on wells or springs. Water from Clara pours out of the Appalachian Mountains as part of the Triple Divide, where rainfall splits from one mountain range to three sides of the country. Only four places on the continent have this kind of hydrological reach. But there's more than wildlife and farms in Clara. Hundreds of conventional and unconventional oil and gas wells are cut into the landscape. And that means there's oil and gas waste, too. In a rusty, grayish-blue building, down a dirt road, surrounded by trees, and backed by beautiful mountains, sits roulette, oil, and gas. It's a 15-minute drive from Clara Township. The company operates 271 conventional and three unconventional oil and gas wells in Potter County. Conventional wells are drilled vertically to reach shallow reservoirs of oil and gas. It's a simpler and older process than unconventional, horizontal, hydraulic fracturing, commonly known as fracking. Regardless of the well type, drilling creates large amounts of wastewater that industry and regulators often describe with harmless names like salt water, brine, or produced water. In September 2020, Roulette Oil and Gas submitted a permit application to the U.S. Environmental Protection Agency, or EPA which asks to convert one of their conventional wells in Northwest Clara Township into a class 2D injection well to dispose of brine from 110 of their conventional wells in the area. That means shooting wastewater thousands of feet underground at high pressure into a cavern that once held fossil fuels. A public herald review of EPA's permit for roulette oil and gas found that it doesn't exclude injecting waste from three unconventional wells operated by the company. The permit allows for the injection of 15,500 barrels of wastewater a month, and it can also be modified, leaving it open to accepting waste from any oil and gas operator in the future. Class 2D injection wells are not common historically in Pennsylvania, as they are in states like Oklahoma, 
or Texas, where thousands exist. In Pennsylvania, they're not generally considered a safe option. DEP's website only lists 10 Class 2D permits for the whole state, one never being activated and currently revoked. That leaves very little public education or communication about injection wells. Months after Roulette Oil & Gas submitted their request to the EPA, one of Clara Township's supervisors, Steve Mell, found out about the permit. I'm thankful that someone did notify us because, again, in my opinion, they were trying to, you know, do it under the radar. No one ever reached out to the township. No one talked to us. So I don't have a whole lot of respect for them. If I was a corporation or I was a business owner and I was going to do something in a township, I think common courtesy would say, yes, <laughs> you would reach out to that township or the borough or whatever, and you present your case. Mel told Public Herald that the threats posed by an injection well to the township's groundwater is not a risk officials or residents are willing to take. DEP records from the past six years show roulette oil and gas has reused their wastewater, stored it on site, disposed of it in pits, or sent it to Fluid Recovery Services Kingsley, a wastewater treatment plant located three hours east of Clara. What's not in those records or mentioned in the EPA permit is that oil and gas waste contains radioactive material. When you're talking about oil and gas, you're also talking about radioactive material, specifically T-norm, which stands for Technically Enhanced Radioactive Material. The main radioactive element inside of oil and gas, T-norm waste, is radium-226. Radium comes from uranium, and to a lesser extent, can be from thorium. It's a cancer-causing element that has a half-life of 1,600 years and decays into what is more commonly known as radon gas. In 2016, the Pennsylvania Department of Environmental Protection, or DEP, finished a T-norm study and found high levels of radium-226 in both conventional and unconventional wastewater. Every wastewater sample in the study exceeded the EPA limit of five picocuries per liter for combined radium in drinking water. The study found radium-226 in conventional wells averaged around 330 picocuries per liter. That's 66 times the EPA's safe drinking water limit. Unconventional wells averaged around 8,300 picocuries per liter, 1,660 times the limit. Though oil and gas waste contains hazardous materials, it's not considered hazardous by the EPA. In 1988, the EPA declared that even though oil and gas waste contains toxic heavy metals, carcinogens, and radioactivity, regulating the waste as hazardous would cause a, quote, severe economic impact on the industry and on oil and gas production in the U.S., end quote. So it exempt the industry from hazardous waste under the Resource Conservation and Recovery Act. T-norm from oil and gas operations is also not covered by federal regulations governing radioactive material, including the Atomic Energy Act. EPA's permit for Clara's injection well only requires testing the fluids every two years 
and doesn't list T-norm among the substances to be sampled. That leaves it up to the state, and Pennsylvania hasn't created T-norm regulations for injection wells. Water contamination from wastewater injection isn't a sure thing, but the risk is. A 2012 investigation, Injection Wells, The Poison Beneath Us, by Abraham Lustgarden at ProPublica, found that from late 2007 to late 2012, one in six injection wells had violations implicating the well's structural integrity. More than 7,000 injection wells showed signs of leaking. In West Virginia, for example, in 2016, the United States Geological Survey discovered contaminants from an unconventional oil and gas waste injection well in nearby streams and sediments. Clara doesn't have to chance these odds just yet. Lori Barr, a community advocate and founder of the nonprofit Save Our Streams, is hopeful they will keep an injection well out of their community because the supervisors are united against it so important to protect the watershed. And that's the main priority to me, is protecting the watershed. When you have all of the officials in town unanimously wanting to fight this with their support, that's powerful. Supervisor Steve Mel confirmed. Unanimously, we are against placing a toxic waste injection well in Clara Township. And the main reason is because of the water. Mel says that the township is in this for the long haul and is considering enacting home rule law, which changes the way a community is governed. Mel heard about home rule from another community fighting an injection well, Grant Township. Their battle is featured in the new film, Invisible Hand, a rights of nature documentary directed by Public Herald co-founders, Melissa Troutman and Joshua Prabanek executive producer Mark Ruffalo. Invisible Hand documents how Pennsylvania General Energy chose Grant Township as the injection well site for its wastewater and how residents voted to ban it. Seven years later, there's still no injection well. In the process of doing all this, Grant Township transformed from a second-class township to a home rule municipality. In Pennsylvania, home rule gives the community more freedom to pass their own laws through local charters. It's Grant's home rule charter that bans injection wells. But Grant Township's success isn't set in stone. Once the home rule charter banned waste injection, DEP sued the township. And two months ago, Pennsylvania General Energy filed its second lawsuit against Grant in the company's multi-pronged attempt to overturn the ban on injection wells. Pennsylvania General Energy claims the Home Rule Charter is unconstitutional, that it violates the corporation's constitutional right to do what it wants, where it aims to. The company also appealed the DEP's 2020 decision to revoke the injection well permit it had previously issued. In a letter to Pennsylvania General Energy's attorney, DEP Deputy Secretary of Oil and Gas Scott Perry wrote, quote, operation of the injection well pursuant to the injection permit, would violate a local law that is in effect. Specifically, Section 301 of Grant Township's Home Rule Charter 
that bans the injection of oil and gas waste fluids, end quote. It's the only time the department has revoked such a permit. That set precedent that Clara Township hopes to repeat. Grant and Clara aren't the only communities fighting injection wells. Plum Borough, just outside of Pittsburgh, undertook a years-long fight against a Class II injection well. Despite widespread opposition from the town, construction began on the well in the fall of 2020, after attempts to use zoning and ordinance laws to stop the well failed. When asked why Plum didn't pursue a home rule ban, a former supervisor said the borough's attorney told them it was too late. Clearfield County, which is home to four injection wells, also tried to fight. Resident Jenny Lezik told Clara officials about Clearfield's latest waste injection site at a recent public meeting. Nobody wanted that injection well, including all the elected officials, the county commissioners, the supervisors, and they appealed it three times. You can't even believe what a bad idea it was. It was in a residential area. It was only yards away from the largest underground coal mine in Pennsylvania, but they approved it anyway. It's no surprise Clearfield County is home to injection well skeptics. In 2012, an Exo Resources injection well in the county operated through mechanical issues for months, resulting in a leaking underground pipe. Lizek noticed a problem at a spring near the site. The conductivity was sky high. So I contacted the EPA. They said they would let the DEP know. And about a month later, I asked what the DEP did or said, and they said they didn't know. And it's still bad. Dimmick Township in Susquehanna County made famous when Cabot Oil and Gas contaminated large sections of its drinking water aquifer, recently learned about the possibility of a Class II injection well coming to their community. After residents began organizing in opposition, the company backed off and gave up on the project. Declaring war on oil and gas waste is no easy task. Judy Wanchison, mother of Stacy Long and founder of the East Run Hellbenders Society, was one of the key figures in Grant Township's fight, and she knows this better than anyone. I mean, I have so many papers. You can't believe. It's like, <laughs> my computer room, which is a bedroom, it's full of dresser drawers and the cupboards and the closets and I have stuff everywhere. My husband, too, I think he's ready to divorce me. I was like stuck to that computer in 2014, 2015 with research and, you know, all that stuff. It was yeah. like, oh, I'm sick of this computer. To Wanchison, there's no other way. You go to not go anymore. If they take your water, your home's no good, especially where we live. The dedication and hard work of residents like Wanchison is part of the reason Grant has been able to keep an injection well out of their community all these years. Wanchison's son-in-law, Mark Long, said Grant's solution was straightforward. You know, gathering the people together in a room, explaining it to them and say, do you want to have a radioactive toxic waste dump in your backyard? And everybody said, no. Great. We don't want that. 
Sounds easy enough. But back in Potter County, Barr noticed various obstacles in getting the word of the injection well out to Clara Township residents. They don't get notified the way we do. A lot of people out there, because it's rural, don't even have internet. These people are being cut out of the equation because of the lack of internet in such a rural area. Barr found another issue with mobilizing Clara community members. Some are second homeowners. They're the people that are out of the area that don't read the local newspaper because they don't live here, but they still have a dog in the fight. They deserve to have their voices heard, their concerns addressed. These obstacles pushed Barr to request that the EPA extend their public comment period. After pleas from community advocates, including Barr and Mel, the comment period has been extended to March 4th, 2021. Comments can be emailed to EPA official Kevin Rousey. His email is rousey.kevin at epa.gov, and his phone number is 215-814-5463. On February 2nd, the EPA held the first public comment hearing for the injection well permit in Clara. It was virtual, and no in-person meeting has been scheduled. The EPA cited COVID concerns as the reason for this. The hearing started with a brief introduction from an EPA official. Then, members of the public took turns expressing their thoughts on the proposed injection well. Lori Barr was there. My concern, they surround the past waste management practices of rollout oil and gas. They have listed 101 times is storage pending reuse. Um, this isn't a waste disposal method. This isn't clear what happened to the waste from these. Supervisor Steve Mel was there too. Based on historical data from the DEP's database, rollout oil and gas has a long history of violation. Most of the comments at the hearing were about Drinking water. Our waterways. Like everybody else, it's water. In the first comment of the night, Clara Township Supervisor Rob Wiley put it this way. My number one concern as a resident of Potter County, Clara Township, is the drinking water. And in the public notice that was sent out to Clara Township, it states the EPA requests public comment on its findings that the proposed injection activity under the draft permit is unlikely, using that highlighted word, unlikely, to pose a risk to the underground drinking water. I believe in using the term unlikely means there is a possibility or a likelihood of a leak or contamination. Throughout the hearing, Concerned citizens emphasized a lack of trust in Roulette Oil and Gas and the Department of Environmental Protection, who is currently being investigated by the Attorney General for their conduct in regulating the oil and gas industry. Here's Francis Weeks, a decades-long resident of Potter County who resides in Clara. In this industry, there exists a very long list of infractions, violations, fines, and penalties under permitted activities the public has no reason to believe that this project will be any different. 
Hearing attendee Dan Tompkinson shared similar distrust. I have now taken to referring to the Pennsylvania DEP as the Pennsylvania Department of Oil and Gas Protection. At the end of the hearing, Supervisor Wiley asked for an extension of the public comment period beyond the March 4th deadline. Due to COVID-19, as well as living in a poorly communicated area due to poor technology, lack of newspapers, and just the overall situation that we're dealing with. EPA will publish a response report addressing resident concerns and questions they received at the hearing and from the written comments after the public comment period ends, whether that be March 4th or if they get another extension a little later. At that point, residents won't be able to make further comments, but they can file an appeal within 30 days through EPA's Environmental Appeals Board. When it comes to the injection well permit being issued, Hearings often carry little weight. At the end of the day, everyone in a town could show up, make rational points, and be fully against it. But so long as the permit papers are filled out correctly, the EPA is likely to approve it. Grant learned that lesson the hard way. The hearing is a farce. It's just a You're not going to get anything out of it except the chance to get your local citizenry riled up if you can get the EPA to admit to the fact that their public hearing is a farce. You can look up the stuff I said at the EPA hearing in 2014. It's all still there. It doesn't matter. I had raised the issue that everyone in Grant Township does not have access to public water. We all rely on a private well in spring. What happens if the aquifer gets contaminated? What's to be done about that? And, you know, they just, they stood up in the front of the room and nodded and it got written down and that was it. It's a joke. We were fixated on appealing the permit and getting DEP and the EPA to do their job. It took us a while to understand what their jobs really were, and their jobs were not protecting us. Their jobs were shielding industry from risk. Lori Barr is preparing for the next leg of the fight against the DEP permit. Without it, Roulette Oil and Gas can't start the injection well, EPA permit or not. So far, the DEP does not have a permit on file with them. And they explained to me that the DEP process, the DEP explained to me that it could be two years before they get a permit. Mel thinks ahead too. He contacted the DEP regional office. They don't know nothing about it. They don't have no permit, blah, 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 et cetera, et cetera. Barr and Mel are on top of it. But if Clara Township's fight turns out like grants, the EPA and DEP won't be much help. The Department of Environmental Protection in Pennsylvania isn't it's the Department of Everything Permitted. Their job is not to protect the environment. It's to issue permits and shield corporations from rights. And it's the same way with the EPA. The game is rigged, and it is a game. So, yeah, none of our local legislators came swooping in to save us and offers to swoop in and save us are still six years later forthcoming. So <laughs> that township knows 
what's best for it and its people. And, you know, if they're not afraid of going to court and sticking up for themselves and knocking on doors and gathering community support, then there is no reason to not fight back. Clara Township agrees. They're not putting all their eggs in the permit basket. Not by any means. I do see that there's a lot of options available and Clara Township is open to considering Grant Township's path to injection well-free town. The Long's main piece of advice for Clara in their battle is simple. Don't stop. Yeah, don't stop. And like, don't be afraid to think outside the box. Don't stop and don't, when the lawsuits start coming in, you can like take stock in that you're doing something right. <laughs> Those lawsuits are designed to stop and or intimidate. Not giving up is easier said than done. The people you're fighting against are very much used to winning. In fact, in Pennsylvania, they're used to having a state agency give them a permit and they don't have to fight at all. But if they do have to fight, they're very much used to winning. Despite the challenges that may be ahead for Clara Township, Lori Barr remains optimistic. It has the potential to be a long, hard battle. I see it being a long battle, but I don't see it being that hard. But like, this is the very beginning. And that will do it for this week's show. Thank you for listening. And again, if you want to support this work, you can find us at patreon.com slash public herald. And on March 13th, we're going to be doing a youth international screening of our new documentary, Invisible Hand, that you heard in the story. Uh, we invite everybody to come and be a part of that show. There's going to be 10 youth organizations there and 10 speakers, myself, Melissa, and uh, potentially Mark Ruffalo. The tickets are free. Uh, we do encourage adults to donate. And you can do that at invisiblehandfilm.com slash yes or Y-I-S. We hope to see you there. This has been News Coup, where we overthrow the status quo. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of News Coup. Today's story was written, reported on, and produced by me, Sam Sanson, with help from Joshua Prabanik and Melissa Troutman, who contributed to the story and edited it. They're the co-founders at Public Herald. Also thanks to the T-Norm team, Andrew Geller, Olivia Rasmussen, Talia Wiener, and Emma Lichtwerk. The music came from Dream Louder and Heavy Colors' Invisible Hand soundtrack, and that's from the film Invisible Hand. If you have a story to tell about the issues you heard today, contact our team at info at Thanks so much for listening to the show, and we'll see you next time.